This one woman was crying just to get out of the inner city. Everybody there just felt trapped. And I'm crying with this woman because we have one car and no money and two babies. I'm going, I know, I feel trapped too. I know your pain. And so, <laughs> so there's just, you know, there are different seasons in marriage when you have littles, when you're starting a career, when, you know, all of those things. Hi, you're listening to the Zan Tyler Podcast. When my family started our homeschooling journey, there were so many decisions to make, but one of our best decisions was choosing to use BJU Press Homeschool. I've never seen my kids so excited to get textbooks before. I'm amazed by how interesting and interactive the lessons are. My kids actually look forward to them. We use the online video lessons for all our courses, but I know some families choose to teach from the textbooks. What I love is that I can trust BJU Press to uphold our values. The Bible and biblical principles are woven throughout each subject. I'll admit, I was a bit nervous when I started homeschooling, but I've found a wonderful online community of other BJU Press homeschool families and consultants. The Homeschool Hub also makes my job easier. I can set up our schedules and rearrange them with just a few clicks. On the dashboard, I can see each of my kids' progress, and the assignments page shows me quickly what's ready for me to check or grade. I'm glad my son's biology assignments are automatically graded. BJU Press Homeschool has given us the tools and confidence to homeschool our children. For more information, do what I did and visit the BJU Press Homeschool website or talk with your local HomeWorks consultant. So I want to welcome my dear friends, Jan and Roger Smith, to the podcast today, along with my very best friend and my husband, Joe. We are going to talk about how to have a strong marriage today, not in spite of homeschooling, but even when you are homeschooling. And we want you to keep in mind that the goal is not perfection. The goal is having strong marriages and strong relationships. Uh, the goal is not perfect children either. The goal is having strong relationships with your children. So. First, Jan, tell us how long you've been married and how long you've been homeschooling. We've been married for 43 years now. 22 of those years, we were homeschooling. So half of your married, more than half of your married life. And Roger, whose idea was it to homeschool in the beginning? Well, uh, we were both rather uh, abruptly introduced to home education whenever we were having a Sunday school party and some children showed up that uh, were coming in from out of town. And we saw, not knowing what we were seeing, we saw the product. And we both were struck with uh, these amazing children. And we were just uh, agog, so to speak, uh, with seeing these children and how well they interacted. And so we both were kind of almost suddenly in but jan is by nature the early adopter in our family and, and i'm the analyzer and so so jan said that's what we're doing and i go i think you're right i'm i'm with you on this you know so we almost were on it together so uh we were first just totally struck with the the product you know they say the proof is in the pudding right. and that was true in our experience roger uh i know that uh from, from our perspective, the husband and, and wife really love their kids. And of course, first they, they began their whole homeschooling journey by loving one another. Um, but 
I tell you what, homeschooling can add a lot of stress to a marriage. Um, <laughs> what have, what has been the key for your forty four years, and what has really kept you guys going strong? Well, you know, um, our, our biggest stress point was whenever our youngest, well, that was our third child, was having difficulty reading, and so anytime that there is some challenge or obstacle you know, then that can, that can become a barrier between you. You kind of become a, it becomes a friction point. Uh, but I, I guess for me, uh, a way that we work to try to keep from homeschooling from being an issue between us is that I just made a rule for myself that I would not criticize anything that Jan was doing or decision that she made. But the flip side of that was if I saw something that I didn't like, I saw it as my responsibility to work to change that. And so then then it stopped the finger pointing, you know, and, and that's where we get into trouble is when we start, you know, pointing fingers at one another and saying, well, you this, 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 you know, or you idiot. <laughs> and so so where I, I saw I'm the solution guy in the family usually. And so naturally it kind of comes to me, but it also is a decision that we have to say, okay, I'm going to look for the solution rather than trying to just identify the problem. And I think that that kept yeah, us I never, from I never felt criticized or like I was on trial about homeschooling, like that he would come home and drill me or drill no, the kids no. about what we got done. Because talk about still the joy. It's hard enough to feel like you got something tangibly accomplished in a day because there's so much time spent on character training and conflict resolution and all the things. And so yeah. sometimes there were days that I felt good about our day, even though I didn't have a lot of tangible proofs or some of my plans didn't get done, but I still had a good day. And if I'd had to be accountable every day to somebody that was coming home to check off his list, that would have been a difficulty for me. And the yeah. stress point between us, he avoided that. And and uh, I understand that, you know, like most first married couples, time is such a premium. And I know you guys, like us, we weren't home homeschooling real early on. But uh, when our kids were really little, there was just so little time, you know. Yeah. And uh, in our case, especially so little money to do anything if we had that time. And I know... Uh, our moms and dads out there probably are facing that with little kids as yeah. they're just starting their families. <laughs> Sorry, Ed, we just lost a light, but I will, I will attempt to shine brighter. Um, Let so your light shine. <laughs> in the early days, what are some things you guys did? I know that, uh, Roger, you were in medical school yeah. or doing a residency at a highly demanding time. Yeah. And so your time at home was, wow, yeah, at a premium. Was, it was very limited. And, uh, so quite often, uh, whenever I came home, my goal was just to have some kind of interaction with the kids. Even if I was asleep on all floors and they were on all four and they were riding me like a horse, you know, I, it was really <laughs> exhausting days. And so, I mean, we really, uh, it, it, it was a premium just to try to have some interaction. And so, and, and that somewhat characterized even their first years of uh, medical practice is that I wasn't available that much. I was, 
I was out of the house. But homeschooling actually gave us the opportunity for me to have time with the kids because they could stay up late. They could work, you know, they could be on my schedule rather than on the school schedule. So, so we took advantage of that. And so I was the guy who did the bedtime routine mm. because that was when I was available. Mm. So, uh, and you know, you say, does that look like school homeschooling? Well, y yes. I mean, it's, it's relationships, you know? And so we, we read books, we told stories, we did, did things that, you know, and, and the, in retrospect, we may say that was schooling, but at the time we just saw it as life. Hmm. And that's when I was available. And I mean, I know that it was uh, similar for you. You were in a, a demanding job in the early years and were on the road. And, you know, how did you manage? Yeah, that was a real challenge for us too, especially for Zan, because uh, we had been married a couple of years. We had one son. Zan was pregnant with our second. And I was about to be transferred to Belgium, of all places, to do a project wow. over there. It fell through, and then it looked like Toronto was going to be the project, and it fell through. So we thought, oh, well, uh, we, we'll just keep going and, and have more kids right, right here in Columbia, South Carolina. And lo and behold, Zan was in about her eighth or ninth month of pregnancy, and we were transferred, and we went to Philadelphia. And so we, she had the challenge of having two kids in diapers in Philadelphia and uh, really being homebound a lot. Her pediatrician actually, this was pre-COVID, if you can believe it, her pediatrician said, hey, there's a really bad uh, virus going around. You really ought to keep John indoors and just don't for take him months. anywhere. Yeah, for six months. I can remember there was, there was a lot of trouble in inner city, in inner city Philadelphia that year. So the boys were, you know, two and just an infant. And yeah. this one woman was crying just to get out of the inner city. Everybody there just felt trapped. And I'm crying with this woman because we have one car and no money and two babies. I'm going, I know I feel trapped too. I know your pain. And so, <laughs> so, so there's just, you know, there are different seasons in marriage when you have littles, when you're starting yeah. a career, when, you know, all of those things. And Jan, I know you had a little bit of a similar situation. I did when when we you know we were fortunate to have a storybook romance during college and you know and our early years of marriage were just blissful but then end of uh, end of medical school hit our church split through about legalism Roger was started depression and you know life happened we had our first child got pregnant with the second one and um <clears throat> Then we moved to Kentucky, 14 hours from home. He was in a very demanding job, as is often the case for young families. When you're in the process of having children, often that's when the husband's career is most demanding. And it was certainly the case for Roger. And by the end of that first year of Kentucky, I felt pretty trapped. I, I, more than anything, I wanted my husband back. And he was just kind of a walking shell and between the depression and the exhaustion, I just needed to think that there's hope. And I remember talking to him one day, you know, let's talk about the future. And he said, it's, it's always going to be this way. And I said, can you at least tell me you love me? And he said, I can't do that. And that night I cried myself to sleep, you know, soon after that, 
I realized I was really in trouble marriage-wise. And I went and I talked with a godly woman. Um, actually, we had gone home from my sister's wedding. And I talked to his mother because I knew she knew the real Roger. Everybody in Kentucky really didn't know my husband because he was at the hospital all the time. And so she had the wisdom to give me godly counsel and said that God didn't owe me a happy marriage, that I owed God my life because mm -hmm. I'd been bought with a price. And I know that she had lived that and had seen her husband, her marriage be healed. And she said, my counsel to you, because I'd said, Roger never noticed me. She said, my counsel to you is to become the most godly woman you can be. And that when he ever wakes up, if he notices you, you are worthy of his notice. Hmm. So I went on a real journey of growth. And I read a book by James Dobson called, um, shoot, Blank. Love must be love tough. must be tough. It had just come out, and <clears throat> so I changed any of my demands on Roger. I just took that off. I stopped expressing needs, and I've just started loving him unconditionally and not expecting anything in return. And it was a process of years, but you know, now we're one of the most happily married couples in America. I love to say and. That's Some of the right. young girls that see us in our marriage, they say, oh, if I had a husband like yours, and I said, it wasn't always like this. When we had littles, we were hanging on by a thread. Yep. Hmm. And so, you know, that's that's my message to young couples. Yeah, it is. It is very demanding in those early years. Very demanding. And, and you know, so, even uh, it's funny, we look at technology and stuff thinking, we look back at our parents' generation and, and my dad lived through the depression and they used to go down and walk by the train tracks to pick up little pieces of coal to heat their house with or to sell. So I look at that compared to me. And I remember as a young married man with, with young family and, and Zan feeling so closed up at home. I was, we were just wondering like you guys, is this going to get better? And <laughs> the good news <laughs> is it does. Uh, yes. Yeah, there, there are stages, aren't there? And, and the interesting thing about it is, uh, you know, we, we know and see our parents' marriages when they've been at it for 20 or 30 years. And uh, <clears throat> people forget that, that we are the same way. We started out um, as less mature Christians, hopefully, than we are today. Hopefully, we've grown. Uh, but I will say your marriage grows right along with your growth in the Lord. And Yep. No matter no matter where you start from, um, there's always uh, a, a, a great future ahead. And especially for families with, with all these young kids running around, um, I know what a challenge that is. I remember when we used to just long for the day that our kids were out of diapers and we thought, oh, if they're ever just out of diapers, we will have arrived. Then we can really be awesome Christian people. Well, in fact, in fact, we were in Philly, so it, it was even rougher because you weren't cool and spiritual unless you use cloth diapers because those evil oh. plastic diapers, they can ruin your child. So any problems our kids have can be blamed right back to the ones that, that did those plastic diapers. So anyway, it, it is amazing. Um, looking back on it, I, I can't imagine... Uh, with those demands on my time, like we had as a young couple. And I know we used to, 
our, our thing that that was great for us in Philly when it was freezing cold is we go to the mall every Friday night and uh, buy a box of Entenmann's chocolate chip cookies, and they never made it home. You know, he just walked around the mall because the mall was really warm. They kept it like <laughs> 70 degrees in there. We didn't keep our house 70 degrees. Um, I will say this, though. You know, uh, people say the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, especially married couples that are struggling. And and yeah. I've heard this phrase a lot. That's so true. The grass is greener where it's fertilized and where it's watered. And um, I know for us, when the kids were little, we couldn't do much of this, but just trying to get away once a year as a couple um, without the kids so we could actually talk to each other uh, without being broken into by some, some crisis was a big, big deal to us. And, um, you know, backing up for that, I, I really believe that husbands need to keep dating their wives, even though they come home from work or these days, maybe they walk out of their office door there in the home uh, and they, they face all kind of issues with the kids fighting and whatever. And, and their wife is so, uh, looking for a break. Um, yeah. communication is, is so important and being able to clear a schedule enough so that you can spend time together, even if it's not spending a dime. So how did y'all stay engaged together as a family and as a couple while you're in the midst of homeschooling and Roger's work and everything you have to do around your horse farm and all of those things? You know, I would love to say that uh, we did this date night thing and, you know, and we went on little retreats together and, you know, and, and, and that it was idyllic and uh, <clears throat> for us, uh, it, it was really hard for us. <laughs> for us to find those pockets of time, even to get a babysitter and go to something uh, ourselves. And so that happened occasionally. It, it, you know, it, it wasn't as recommended that we have a date night once a week. We, you know, we never could pull that off, but what we could do is we did life together and we made sure that we communicated maybe even at bedtime, you know, you know, what our goals were for the, the next day or the next week, or, you know, how did, how did we sum up the day? You know, we were, were we still on the same page, you know? And so there were little snippets of time and, but quite honestly, most of it was, you know, we kind of just did life together as a family and we created we, fun. We, We'd have other we couples over. Yes. And, um, we, one of the things we did was take advantage of the free times, the free dates that we could do. Roger's always been willing to go to weddings. Joe, do you do weddings with me? <laughs> he does. Oh, yeah. He does. You know, it's, that's uh, a free dance. That's free <laughs> night out to go dancing. Now, used to, you didn't get to dance at weddings. We grew up Baptist and there was no dancing. But So we, we go dancing at weddings. We just did that this past weekend. And it always surprised people that the homeschoolers would be the first ones out on the floor. So, so yeah. And there are family events and things, and there's always an opportunity to let the kids go play and thus sit down together, you know, but sometimes I wanted to play what the kids are playing, you know, they're jumping on the trampoline. I want to get on it, you know? And so, uh, so, but um, we made sure that we were desiring the same things for our family as a unit. And uh, it wasn't like I wanted to go do my thing. Now, 
I will say there was one commitment that I made to make sure that I stayed engaged is, is I, I chose not to have any hobbies that I would do separate from the family. Mm-hmm. So for me that said, I chose not to do golf. I'm not saying golf is a no, no. I'm just saying for me, that took that would take me away that would I didn't have enough time as it was for the family. So what I did, you know, the I chose hobbies that we all could do together. So we went to the lake together. We you know, we did sports that we could all play together, or, uh, uh, you know, and then we did the horse thing. You know, so it, so those were the, the habits that we had as we tried to not get involved in things that separated us. And we chose mm-hmm. not to watch TV. Yeah, that was the big that that gave us back so much time in the evenings as a family. And Roger would read aloud after dinner when the kids were little and they weren't big enough to help with the dishes. Later, they would help with the dishes. But when they were little, he would read aloud while I did the dishes to keep them from all going. And he did it in the kitchen where I could hear and be a part of it. And so. That family table was a really big deal, a real big connection. So we had fun together and we, um, most of what we did, we did as a family. We didn't always get away as a couple per se. Um, mm-hmm. There were, there, there were definitely some times that we did do that, Yeah, but it was, certain, they, it they was were not, not a weekly basis. Those were the exception rather than the rule. And rule, so right. together was the, was the key word for us that it allowed us to stay engaged just because we were we found fun things together. Did you all do things that stay kept you stay engaged? Well, Joe did the same thing, which I really appreciated. He really gave up. You know, he was a big golfer and hunter, and so he gave all that up until the kids were old enough to go with him. And then yeah. he would take the boys on hunting trips or to play golf or you know whatever. And he coached their sports teams and and took Lizzie to play practice and you know so it it was all you know it was just all of those things and yeah. we would. I would say with parents in town, we would maybe get out once a month by ourselves. And then he was traveling too. But, you know, I never felt abandoned when Joe traveled. I mean, I know a lot of wives who felt abandoned when their husbands were traveling. But he was so good at communication. I mean, we didn't have cell phones then. I can remember him find, finding pay phones in San Francisco, you know. because we needed to talk to him and so you know so i i just remember all of those things and and they are just the special family memories are really really special we did get away for a planning session with our homeschool or family life you know it never worked out every year but i would say maybe every other year and our anniversary came Mm -hmm. You know, our anniversary came right at the beginning of the new school year. And that would give us a time just to go to the mountains for a night and a day. Mm -hmm. And um, we tried to go to our homeschool convention every year together and kind of use that time um, without the children to really regain perspective that we can do this and it's worth doing it for another year. Yeah, I never really thought about the fact that. When we went to the homeschool conference, the convention, we didn't take the children with us until they were teenagers. (laughs) And so that was a really a getaway. And it did give us kind of a mental, emotional breather. Uh, And 
it was always a shot in the arm. So uh, that that was our, our chance to have some alone time. I hope you enjoyed part one of my conversation with Roger, Jan, and Joe as we discussed how to have a strong marriage in the midst of homeschooling. Don't forget to tune in next week for part two when Jan and Roger explain their family court system for solving disputes and disagreements between siblings. Until next time, bye.